0: Hey, everybody. This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast Legislative District Candidate Series. This week, our guest is Milin Tai. She is running for state representative in position two for the 41st legislative district that includes Mercer Island and Newcastle and portions of Bellevue, Renton, Issaquah and Sammamish. And she joins us now to talk about her campaign. Milin Tai, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Stefan. It's it's my Pleasure.
0: Well, So let's just talk very briefly about how your campaign has been going. It's getting down to the wire. August 7th is the primary. How are things going?
1: Isn't it exciting? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I could, you know, I, I'd like to take this opportunity to really thanks to all the volunteers who has been um, walking in the heat um, of summertime, <laughs> um, who have you know, really committed to the cause and the candidacy of mind. And um, it's been going great. I think um, we do have a very positive momentum going into uh, the primary weeks. Yesterday, in fact, we received another big endorsement from One America, oh, um, which just keep continue building momentum for our, uh, for our campaign. So I'm I'm happy to report that it is going great.
0: One America is the uh the immigrant advocacy group that was founded by Pramila Jayapal. So that's uh that's really wonderful. Um you know, and actually she has talked uh, very compellingly about her experience as an immigrant coming uh to the United States and you also are an immigrant. You came over at the age of 15 from Vietnam with your family and you settled in Federal Way. It's a very compelling story. It, can, can you tell us a little bit about your experience coming here as a teenager?
1: Well, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, actually, my experience is a little bit different. So we have been sort of um, using the term immigrants as an overarching um, descriptions for individuals who were not born in this country um, and coming and find new life here and build new life here. My experience has a little bit of a different uh, tone to that. In fact, I'm coming with my family to this country at the age of 15, as you stated, as a refugee refugee. So, um, you know, as and refugees, that is a
0: distinction. It, yeah. You, you, you came over it, yes. as a refugee, not just as a, as an immigrant,
1: N- yeah. not just as an immigrant. Yes. And the, the distinctions is as we heard lately with the, uh, uh, refugee crisis, um, the major distinction is that the refugees are the people who need or to escape, um, their homeland, uh, due to, um, the, uh, the, the fear of, um, of not, you know, being able to even have a life, uh, potentially death. Mm -hmm. Um, So the refugees are of that intensity. And so for my family, um, after the fall of Vietnam, um, 1975, my dad worked for the previous uh, government and he was jailed, um, which was coined the term re-educational camp. So our family... um, after many years, 1975 to 1983, finally received the paper uh, to allow us to settle uh, or to take refuge, rather, in the United States. Um, and yes, we uh, landed in Federal Way 19, April 28, 1983. Mm. As a 15 years old and I attended Federal Way High School and graduated from there.
0: And, you know, since you bring up the, the matter of refugees and the asylum seekers that we have been seeing uh, and the treatment of them down at the southern border under the Trump administration, I, I guess I wonder what sorts of uh, thoughts and feelings come up for you around that.
1: Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so much. So much stuff. And I um, let's see, where do I begin? Um you know the comparisons almost um, almost too real. Um, we we learned about we learned so much about trauma. Uh, we we learned so much about the post uh, PTSD post traumatic uh, syndrome uh, experience, and for me it's it sort of repeated itself. Um, when I attended University of Washington, there were. They talked of normalization between the United States and Vietnam, um, and among those agreements, one of the agreements was to shut down uh, refugee camps um, in the uh, Pacific and sending all those who seek refuge uh, back to Vietnam. And there was a real fear um, that these people was able to have a normal life, especially after they're willing to risk their life looking for an opportunity outside from their hometown. And so for the asylum seeker, um, they, for me, nobody wanted to leave their hometown to uproot everything that they have built, that they have known, um, to go to a, a land that completely unknown to them, only with the hope that they could find an opportunity to live. And so for what happened to our current situations, not only they ran that risk um, because of their hope, coming across that border uh, with all that fears in them and being separated with their family, and I don't know, you know, I'm sure we have heard the news recently coming out uh, from one of the locations that they, um, they house the children, um, the, 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 the administrators of that particular location uh, give a particular medication or drugs to these children to, uh, in attempt to calm them down. Um, they might not be comfortable hearing these crying. Uh, it's it's just inhumane. It's, it's beyond what we as Americans hold dear in terms of our values, that we are the beacon of hope. Um, we are the light uh, for what human rights should look like, should feel like, should be like. And this is beyond this, this was go into history books as the one of the darkest day in our
0: history. Yeah. That
1: that is how it brought up for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the stories that, that that we hear that are still happening and children not being reunited with their parents. Uh, and it's just the, the situation is, is just terrific. And, you know, you talk about turning away people and in some situations, sending them back to their country of origin after many, many years. And then you begin to start to think about, you know, what's lost. And, you know, taking your example, you, you mentioned you went to the University of Washington School of Pharmacy. You've, you've You've had a a very uh, impressive professional career. Um, And, you know, you talk on your website about the importance of supportive teachers and counselors uh, with your success. So uh, I'd love to shift and talk about education, because I know that's enormously important to you. You are the Bellevue School Board President. You're also vice president of the Washington State School Board Directors Association. So this is obviously an area of great passion for you. And I'm curious, um, from a legislative standpoint, um, beyond the fulfillment of the billion-dollar school budget under the McCleary School ruling, what would you like to see done for Washington schools?
1: Thank you for asking that question. I, um, I, I would like us to see one, that education is the foundation of success, that education, public education, um, is, is definitely the cornerstone of our democracy. Um, I believe that knowledge is power. And for a nation to be strong, to every single citizen should arm themselves, should be given a tool of having knowledge and the, um, the, the, the learning how to critically think and being able to um, look at a piece of information, criticize it, analyze it, and being able to tell whether this is uh, a credible piece of information, piece of data that can be taken into account so that these individuals could make a sound and good decisions, not only for themselves, their family, but the community that they live in. And I believe that's how we, we can start building not only um, healthy community, but trust uh, between individuals and individuals, uh, individuals and those who represent them.
0: Sure. I mean, yet education is absolutely a huge part of how we become uh, informed citizens. But, you know, I am curious beyond the McCleary funding, and and I think a lot of people hear a billion dollars and think that sounds adequate. But, you know, people who work in education are saying that it's not. And so I'm curious what else you would advocate for around education spending if you are elected and you go to Olympia.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. And so, so as you stated, um, if we look at just by the, the, the dollar's value, uh, we think that's adequate, and that was why it's important for me to really state that uh, critical importance of public education. When I'm in Olympia, one of the pieces that I would really like to push for um, speak to preparing our students as the 21st century global citizen, we see our, our world getting smaller and we're getting closer to one another due to technologies and the capacity to communicate uh, with one another across the globe is the open-up opportunity for our future generations not only being limited as far as uh, working, building network, building opportunities within the border of a country, but really expand it out. And to do that, um, our next generation should be uh, armed with um, cultural uh, understanding cultural relevance uh, as a global citizen, uh, definitely with language capacity we we all know um, students from a European country by the time they graduate k to twelve they under the bells they have at least three languages yeah. one of their own and two extras. Um, When we travel abroad, we know that one of the um, places that we feel really comfortable are places where uh, we would meet people on the street who could communicate and converse with us in English. And so I would like to see our future generations being um, given that opportunity as well, that we should give our students at elementary level. An opportunity to learn beyond one language. We need to see languages shouldn't be a barriers for us. And so that's one. Two, I would like us to really see students who coming into our school system that already have two or three languages. with them and see that as a an asset that they bring into our school and and see their parents with with multiple languages um, as an asset that we would invite them into our schools so that we can provide those opportunities for our students who currently have English as their only language Mm -hmm. uh, spoken or knowledge of and so I would like to increase an opportunity for language learning. Secondly I'd like to give more opportunity for our students to explore different trade and vocation opportunity. Our CTE program or career uh, technical education uh, has blossomed so much. And I think um, that is where we can really build great relationship and partnership uh, between public and private uh, sectors and give our students more opportunities in terms of apprenticeship and internships so that they could see the real world before um they before they set foot into it and last but really not least is that um i i i really would like to see our kids involved more in um in civics.
0: Um, (laughs) well, I think we (laughs) definitely see the need for that right now. Right.
1: I mean, as we can see our voter turnout, um, with all the conversations at both the local, state and national level, our voter turnout in a midterm elections with our state in our you know, like you say when you wait to our primary, um, it's it's still meager. And, and 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 really our our nation, our democracy depend on our youth. And so more of that civic conversations, more of the understanding and engaging um in civic uh, uh, duties, I, I think that would be beneficial as we're moving our country forward uh, with these uh, new leaders, our future leaders. Um, in, right? I mean, so th- those are the three areas I would like to see reinforcing and, and moving us in, in the area of investing in public education.
0: Yeah, well, specifically civics training, I, I I couldn't agree more. That's something that's very near and dear to my heart. You know, um, sadly, since it is related to schools, I, I would like to talk a little bit about gun safety. Um, for a couple of reasons. First, the Democrats came very close to passing a number of gun safety measures in the 2018 session. Um, They passed a bump stock ban and they uh, managed to outlaw people with domestic abuse uh, convictions from owning firearms. Uh, But also, I should mention that you received the candidate of distinction designation from Moms Demand Action. So what would you like to see done around gun safety if you are part of the Democratic caucus in, in Olympia?
1: Well, as, as you mentioned, my, uh, my professional training is in healthcare. and um, in healthcare data is really important to us. and being able to look at data and analyze them and, and make use of those data. Um, the one piece of data as a board of directors certain at the state level, I, we receive reports and data is, uh, around gun safety and gun violence death, is significant, especially in teen suicide. Um, so, first and foremost, I'd like to see uh, more legislations um, vamping up the support for public health, uh, specifically in our mental health um, capacity. Uh, making sure that when uh, a person, uh, whether a young individuals, a, a an, an older individuals, who experience crisis. Um, have a place that they could go to to receive help um and 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 that is part of um tackling our gun violence um uh and and death preventions uh secondly um specifically to to school and gun safety i'd like to see the increase in age um from eighteen to twenty one um as far as being able to purchase and and uh, a, a gun um secondly i'd like to see the uh safety in terms of storage um i have heard personally in my very own school district um a number of stories that's really difficult to to stomach is when a young individual get access to gun that's owned by their parents right. um when families has to face with the situation is heartbroken and it is not something that um that we want to hear, and it's definitely something that is preventable. Um, So those are the areas that immediately we can make changes. Um, And and further down, I'd like to see um, social, emotional and behavioral learning um, really embedded in every single uh, school and and school district and classrooms from from children to adults as far as um, being able to be empathetic to individuals who are experiencing trauma. Uh, we wanted to increase the number of counselors, uh, and not just uh, guiding counselors, uh, but counselors who is available for, for for kids and family, again, who are experiencing crisis, but in school ground, um, because that is where our kids spend most of their time at. And that's where they, they find trust. Um, and last but not least is, is is really around building healthy community, building communities that we can talk to one another. Um, for, again, my own school district, we were able to intervene and deter quite a few threats in the last two years as far as gun violence um, because we built a culture that students... Could trust the adult and report um, any activities or any threat or any concern that they have so that the adult could then intervene at the right time yeah. to prevent um, any unfortunate uh, situations.
0: So it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is really on the preventative end of things. And I, I will just ask a very straightforward question Would you be in favor of, say, uh, banning assault rifles? In,
1: Absolutely. In okay. Absolutely.
0: All right. You know, I will just circle back to something that you mentioned earlier. You talked about the importance of the CTE program, and that's that's uh, preparing people for trades. And I know that you've been endorsed by a number of uh, local labor groups in the state, including uh, Washington State Labor Council, AFL-CIO, uh, United Food and Commercial Workers, the 1199 Northwest Chapter of the Service Employees International Union. Um, unions have really been under siege for a long time in the United States, uh, and most recently in a uh, pretty notorious Supreme Court ruling, given that you've uh, gotten these uh, endorsements, what would you propose to do to protect workers' rights here in the state?
1: You know, workers are the the backbone of our economy. Uh, they are the one who who move our transportation. They are the one who build our building, our roads. They are the one who who make sure that the Beat, the heartbeat of life um, in in every single corner of our communities uh is vibrant and i i couldn't see uh, any way but supporting our workers and union is really a way to unify voices um, as a refugee i understood very clearly what it felt like and what it's um the, the experience of being the sole voice and not being able to collectively pull together that strong one voice and as I mentioned earlier, when I uh, get endorsed by one America that's definitely one of the big uh, endorsements our campaign receive as as we're moving forward, and so I stand. With our unions, and and as you mentioned, union has been under attack. And as a state legislators, I would work with my fellow state legislators uh, to make sure that these worker rights are pre- being protected, and work side by side to make sure that these voices from the unions are heard. Uh, and um, you know, I I would not vote for any legislative actions that could further um, erode these rights of people trying to collectively pull themselves together as one and being able to bargain for what should be um, available for them because, once again, they are the heartbeat of our community.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, just one last thing that I will ask you, and that is about health care. Uh, you talk on your website about working to provide health care access to all in Washington. Uh, the Democrats came within one vote of passing universal coverage in 2018. Um, I-1600 did not manage to gather enough signatures, but the group Healthcare for All Washington is going to be advocating in the new legislative session for the Washington Health Security Trust. That is HB 1026, which would provide Medicare for all. Uh, I trust this is something that you would back?
1: It is definitely something I would back as a healthcare provider. I see that when we have a system that not every single individual in our system not having a healthcare coverage, how it's negatively impact the entire system itself. And so I want to make sure that is uh, where and direction we're moving onward and forward, at least in our state.
0: Yeah. Well, the primary is on the 7th. So what are you doing in the uh, in the final push?
1: I continue to canvas, knocking on door, meeting, um, Constituent meeting voter face to face, reminding them to vote um, and 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 um, ask them to give their vote uh, to my candidacy and having conversation. We um, we have, again, amazing volunteer who phone bank every night. Reach out uh, to voter and and you know honestly one of the pieces that I'm really proud of is to have um, young uh, volunteer our students in high schools coming out in full force uh, and college as well to canvass with me and to phone bank for me. Uh, it's it's um, definitely is an honor that I receive the support uh, from across the district.
0: Yeah. Well, and particularly with young people, I think that speaks to uh, some of the advocacy for, you know, education, gun safety, a lot of the issues that young people care about. So uh, you're definitely making a connection there. Uh, w- just one last thing. Where can people find out more?
1: Um, please uh, check out my website at dot com um, and, and please write to me. It's, it's very important for me to connect with you, to understand, um, your concerns and the issues that's important to you. Um, because for me, that is the, the one way that I can really, one, prepare myself and two, to do my job well as your representative.
0: Terrific. Ty. thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Stefan.
0: And that's going to do it for this edition of the Washington State Indivisible Podcast Legislative District Candidate Series. For more information about the show, you can head to indivisiblepodcast.org. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye.